I think it's very tempting to get lost in the sauce of big numbers and think that you have to have big numbers to have a great life and you don't. That's not true. Remember, the goal is to have a great life that you enjoy and do things that makes you happy, not run up some number in a spreadsheet. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, excited to be here today with Finn McKenty. Finn is an American marketing strategist, music commentator, writer, and graphic designer who runs the YouTube channel, The Punk Rock MBA. Awesome name for a, for a YouTube channel. And it currently has over 376,000 subscribers. Uh, he's the director of marketing at the online education platform, URM Academy. And he's a, a big fan of technology and product design. And I, I figured it would be great to have him on here to be able to, to talk a little bit about how that relates to uh, musicians. And we were just talking a little bit kind of backstage about how as musicians, it seems like the number one thing that most of us care about is really all around your artwork and like, wh how do I actually get my artwork heard by the right people? How can I take it to the next level? And so I think that, yeah, technology and product design as it relates to that is a pretty interesting topic. So Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the, appreciate the opportunity. For sure. Cool, man. So to start out with, I would love to hear a little bit about um, yourself and your story and kind of how you got started with your YouTube channel. Well, I've been making content in one way or another since probably the early to mid nineties, I started making fanzines back, back then in my parents' basement, you know, just interviewing bands I liked and stuff like that and putting it together, cut and paste and photocopying them and selling them through the mail and whatnot. Sold a few thousand of those, you know, by the time I was done with high school, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot compared to millions and millions of views on YouTube. But if you've actually, you know, think about what it takes to sell thousands of copies of something without the internet. <laughs> it's actually really hard. It's harder to mm. sell 5,000 copies of something like that through the mail than it is to get millions of views uh, on a YouTube video, in my opinion. So, you know, that was sort of my beginning of uh, content creation and to entrepreneurship, although I didn't really, I mean, that wasn't a word that back in the 90s, like people didn't really use that word the way that they do now. So I didn't realize that that was my introduction to entrepreneurship, but it was. I did that for a while. I then, after the world of you know, print magazines sort of stopped making sense. I did blogs and also did, I worked for a DVD magazine, like me and one other guy did a DVD sort of print hybrid magazine called Flow back in the mid 2000s, FLO, which I think we did 13 issues of that, did around to like one or one or 200,000 copies of each one. So, you know, a couple million of those floating around there. Some people might be familiar with it. After blogs sort of stopped making sense, I said, well, what's next? And it became obvious that YouTube was, you know, the place where people were allocating their attention. And so I started doing that in 2017. Took me about a year or so to get any traction on that. You know, the first 75 or 100 videos I put put out, nobody cared at all. But, you know, that's the name of the game. And then eventually, so my videos started to get traction around 2018. And, uh, you know, things have been uh, pretty good ever since then. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, man, it, it seems like that's something that is pretty easily overlooked is that stage that like that first year, the 75 videos, like, at the and I consider a year to be pretty fast, you know, realistically, yeah, it might be two years or something if you're starting from scratch. Right. And, and so it seems like that's kind of this reoccurring theme and, and people who become successful is that a lot of times they have this early stage where they have to kind of like go through the grudge or they have to kind of just figure out their bearings and start getting traction. What is it? What is it like in, in your mind or, or what was it like as you're kind of going through that experience? How did you kind of keep yourself going through that first year? Because relatively, uh, maybe a year is kind of a short time, but at, for a lot of people like to put that amount of energy and, you know, essentially to believe in yeah. it enough that even at the beginning, you know, it wasn't really gaining traction. You know, how, how did you kind of work through that? Well, it's not my first rodeo at starting anything. I mean, I've started a lot of things. I've, you know, taken more than one business from 
zero or close to zero dollars in revenue to over a million dollars in revenue. So, I mean, I've done this a few times and I sort of, I understand that this is a thing. And so I just said, well, I'm determined that this is going to work. I know that it's only a matter of time until it does, whether that's six months or a year or three years, you know, it's going to take as long as it takes. But I think anybody, you know, anybody that sets their mind out to become successful at anything can do it. That is just a mathematical fact. Now, we may not all be able to, you know, be the number one in the world at the thing, right? I mean, we can't all be LeBron. We can't all be, you know, Khabib. You know, we can't all be the number one. We can't all be PewDiePie. But you can be successful in one way or another, for sure. There's no question about that. I think one of the, like, to me, the key to it is understanding and managing your own psychology. There's a lot of people, I think, who sort of have this, you know, false dichotomy in their mind that if you're not number one, you suck. You know, that if you're not selling millions of albums or getting millions and millions of views on every video, that you're a failure and you suck. But that's a false dichotomy. You know, creative people tend to be prone to distorted thinking. You can look up, if any of this sounds familiar, do a Google search for CBT distorted thinking patterns, and you'll probably see a lot of things that you recognize, one of which is black and white thinking. That is either, either one or the other. I'm either the best or I suck. And, you know, I'm prone to a lot of that stuff too, but, you know, I was like, you know, 38 or something when I started doing YouTube. So I, you know, have the benefit of maybe working through a lot of that stuff that, you know, if I had started when I was 19 or, or whatever, maybe I wouldn't have. So, you know, controlling your own psychology, I think is the hardest part of the whole thing. Getting better at your craft, of course, is difficult and important, but I think for most creative people, that part comes easier than, you know, the mental side of it. Mm. That's, that's so true. Yeah, it seems like it's a lot easier to just put things into like a black or white kind of category. Yep. But but it's, you know, the truth is that hardly anything is like just completely black and white. There is kind of that in the middle area. And to speak yep. to your point too about having these expectations where it's like either you're a household name and you're successful and you're making millions of dollars, have millions of streams or like you're a failure. It seems like that's, that's especially in the music industry, that's sort of a, like a prevalent... Maybe it's a, it carried over from you know the the past with the music industry where it kind of was like a lottery ticket. It was like right. either you got a record label and like you were successful, or it's like none at all. Well, or um, even even then, I mean, if you go look up any major label that you want, um, take your pick, and then go look up their roster of artists. They will have hundreds of artists on their roster, and you have not heard of ninety five percent of them. Mm. Right. Absolutely. And it's interesting too. I mean, you know, having like with our business, we we work primarily with independent artists, right? And the truth of the the matter, as it is right now, is that if you want to be like LeBron James or you want to like be this like at that level, right now, major record labels with the infrastructure they have, for the most part, there might be like very few rare exceptions. But like you're saying, you don't necessarily, you know. We, we have artists who have six-figure and even seven-figure music careers, yeah. and they're independent. I know but, tons and tons and yeah. tons, like dozens of independent artists and creators making six figures, tons of them. Mm. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's not rare Absolutely. at all. Right. A a absolutely. And to your, to your point, like it, it seems like it's with just in, in general, like with you know, like my parents-in-law or with like other people when I'm talking, if I mention the name of an artist and they don't recognize it, there's almost like this, this idea that, oh, they must not be successful because I don't, sure. like I haven't heard their name, which is so silly when, when you think about it. Well, take um, my friends in periphery, which if you're into metal, you'll, you may know their name, but most people don't know their name. Well, they're making enough. They have Ferraris. <laughs> That's the goal too. You know, as long so <laughs> like I want to say they have I, I, last I looked maybe 500,000 monthly listeners on Spotify or something, which is mm. solid, but that's not amazing, mm. you know, but what they are is incredibly smart at working with the super dedicated audience that they do have, which is the same for any creator, same for any business. You know, I, I think it's very tempting to get lost in the sauce of big numbers and think that you have to have big numbers to have a great life and you don't, that's not true. Remember, the goal is to have a great life that you enjoy and do things that makes you happy, not run up some number in a spreadsheet, you know? Mm. And there are lots and lots and lots of people who you have never heard of 
that have an awesome life. And, you know, one of the things that creators do is uh, accentuate the negative and eliminate the positive. It's a very common thing with creative people. So, you know, if you notice those thoughts creeping up, you know, the, the devil on your shoulder, you know, telling you that maybe this thing isn't so good and focusing on the negative, just you got to shut that down. And don't worry about the big numbers. Worry about, you know, do you have a life that you enjoy? And by the way, you could have the big numbers and have a miserable life. You know, these things have very little to do with each other. Mm, so focus on, on working on working with the audience you do have and be, be thoughtful about monetization. You know, this is a thing, again, I know that creative people tend to not like numbers, but the reason why the guys in periphery have a lot of money is because they do think about numbers. So, you know, think about that. Like, you're, are you familiar with a thousand true fans? Mm, right. Have you heard, have you, do you know about that book or essay? I haven't read the book, but, but I'm definitely familiar with the concept. Thousand true fans, $100. Yeah, a year, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you think about that. If you have a thousand people who will give you a hundred dollars a year for various things, that's a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I think pretty much anybody would be happy to make a hundred thousand dollars a year doing what they love. Right. And if, if that's not enough for you, then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably something you need to work on because that's a lot yeah. of money. And I mean, unless you live in San Jose or something, you know, that should be fine. And if you do live in San Jose, then you might want to move. But yeah, I mean, that's, you got to get into the weeds of, of monetization. You have to like, rather than worry about the big number at the top, you know, of like when you log into Spotify, what is the number? When you log into YouTube, how many subscribers do you have? Like, rather than worry about those sort of big abstract numbers, Get into the weeds of it and worry about, well, what can I do with what I have today? That's my advice. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast. Or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now and one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's so good because it, it seems like it is so easy to kind of get disconnected from, you know, what's, what's really important right now, which you know, if your goal is to, to have a million streams or hundreds of millions of streams, then it doesn't just like happen overnight where you go well, from here. And also, why is your goal to get millions of streams? Or mm. is it your goal to have a life that you enjoy? So mm. start with your goal and work back backwards from that. So mm. for most, I, I can't speak for everyone, but for most creative people, they don't really care about getting rich. They just mm. want to have a reasonably comfortable life. So mm. start there. So let's say that that means you take home six grand a month after taxes or whatever. I'm just making that number up, but let's just say it's that. Well, mm start from there. Like, do you need millions of streams for that? Maybe, or maybe it's merch, maybe it's Patreon, maybe it's whatever, you know, there's all these different ways to monetize, but 
start with a goal and then break it down from there. And I think you'll find that if you want to take home six grand a month after taxes, let's say that's nine grand a month before taxes, it's actually not, I'm not going to say it's easy to make nine grand a month off your art, but it's not, you know, it's, that's pretty attainable. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you don't need millions of fans for it. Right. Right. Well, one thing I would love to talk with you about, because it seems like already just like based on our conversation, it seems like you have like you're rooted in kind of understanding the value of enjoying life and and appreciating things as they are and kind of accepting things as they are and how that can sometimes like be in contradiction with having a a big goal to like, you know, be the number one in the world and have X, X amount of streams. Right. And so I'm, this is like a topic that really kind of fascinates me is like the the intersection between goal setting and achievement and fulfillment yep. because they don't always go hand in hand. Like you're talking about, like yep. you can be the, so super rich, but absolutely miserable. Sure. <laughs> like what's, what's the point? So I'd be, but at the same time, I also feel like. I mean, ask yourself this, think about like big celebrities, people like that. Do they seem like happy people to you? Depends on the person, but a lot of times, but not, not broadly really. speaking, who seems happier? You know, the average, you know, middle-class parent that you might run into, you know, at Publix in Orlando mm-hmm. or, you know, the celebrities that you see in the headlines. Yeah. That's interesting. No, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. Maybe it's like, what, what do you think that it is about? Do you, do you think it's like fame in and of itself? Like, you know, having, it's like like more of an ego around that or having, yeah. it's just harder to navigate or what, what is it that you think leads? To I that? think that people who seek fame are broken people who are trying to fill a hole inside themselves. They're mm-hmm. trying to fill there. There's a hole inside themselves, you know, for whatever reason, childhood trauma, you know, whatever it is. And they're trying to fill that hole with the validation of strangers mm-hmm. and val- the validation of strangers, the attention of strangers has never made anybody happy in the long term, it makes you happy for two seconds, but it has never once made anybody happy beyond that. And money also doesn't make people happy. A lack of money sucks. That makes your life worse. You know, if you're worrying about, you know, paying for your kids diapers or whatever, like that sucks. But beyond that, um, like I'm not rich by any means, but I have more money than I ever thought I would. And if I had another million dollars right now, it wouldn't change my life one bit. It would make zero difference other than I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. I could go buy something stupid if I want to, but <laughs> you know, buying, buying dumb stuff doesn't make you happy and fame doesn't make you happy either. So I think a lot of creative people, it's not a secret. A lot of creative people are dysfunctional and, you know, have some things they need to work on in terms of their mental health, you know, stuff like that. That's not a secret. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. So when it comes to like setting goals, I think it's, you know, important to keep that in mind. And remember the goal is to be happy. And it's very easy to like, keep chasing the dragon of like, Oh, if I only, if only I had this and I'll be happy. Well, guess what? When you get that thing, it's on to the next thing. You know, I, I've said that to myself many times before in my life or my career. Oh, once I make this much money or have this many followers, Oh, then I'll be good. Guess mm-hmm. what? You get there. And for like, I don't know, an hour, you're like, fuck, this is cool. And then it's like, well, back to, you know, back to the way things were before, which, which not to say that's bad, but you know, the idea that once you make it to the top of the mountain, you'll be happy fiction, there is no top of the mountain. Mm. So I think it's very important to ask yourself, do you need this or do you want it? Or is it really something, you know, are you really chasing, you know, a false goal that's just based on a story you told yourself that may or may not have any basis in reality where reality means things will actually make you happy. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's Mm. really important things to like, you know, you want to go on tour, you know, wow, if only we could open for this band and then what, Mm. I mean, by all means chase that goal. But if you think that once you, have once you attain that goal that suddenly you're going to feel different you this is some good stuff man like this is this is really kind of like cutting to to the root right when you're talking about like there's the mountain like the first that popped in my head was the miley cyrus song. it's always gonna be another <laughs> it's true um, it's true it, it it is true no and in that in that idea I, I think it's so important like what what you're talking about because 
how often does it happen that it's like a rat like this might not yeah. recognize that in entire life <laughs> like at the end of your life like man I always was trying to get somewhere else than where I am right now. Yep, exactly, um, exactly. And at the same time, you know, you do want to, you know, do you, you do want to challenge yourself to make the most of life. Mm-hmm. But remember, if you're always living in the future and like chasing, you know, after that next thing on the hedonic treadmill, that's no way to live. You know, I mean, think about how many, uh, how many, you know, to to put things in the corporate world, like how many executives, you know, make it to director or something like that, but they realize that. Now their kid's about to go to college and they like miss their kid's whole childhood and they barely know them and their family life is falling apart and they're, you know, they've let their physical health deteriorate and they're like, wow, I'm 49 years old and I'm a director at this company and I got all this money in the bank, but so what? Yeah. You know, my, my marriage is falling apart. I don't give a shit how much money I have in the bank Mm. versus how, how many parents are there who, you know, Maybe don't have a lot of money and they got to sweat bills here and there, but they, you know, get to spend time with their family every day and they wouldn't trade that for the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and this, this stuff is so, so fundamental in what you're speaking to with, I think that probably a lot of people listening to this right now and myself included, you know, have this sort of innate desire, I think probably part of it is just being human, like this innate desire to be um, loved and approved of mm-hmm. and appreciated, and especially artists and musicians. Like we feel like we need to be appreciated and, and approved and, and be seen and heard for our artwork. And there's that kind of that that feeling of not enoughness, mm-hmm. you know, not, not enough. <laughs> and so how... <laughs> How do we, how do we, I don't know if overcomes the right word, but how, yeah, how do we, how do we actually kind of take things into perspective? And and if we are kind of on that, that wagon where we're, we feel like we're not, we're comparing ourselves to other people who are ahead of us and we just have this like innate sense and maybe we don't even fully understand where it's coming from. To your point, like a lot of it's actually probably coming from some like unresolved trauma or things that that have happened. So like, where, where do we go to, to actually start to deal with that stuff? What's, what's important so that we don't feel like we have to seek approval from outside of ourselves. Well, I think everybody should spend conscious daily effort asking themselves those questions. The ones you just asked are different for everybody. You know, there's no one answer for that, but you know, whatever you have going on with yourself, spend time every day consciously working on that. I mean, my mom was good. My mom had a horrible, horrible childhood. Both her parents died before she was like 14 and, you know, blah, 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 all kinds of horrible things happened to her. And, you know, she was a troubled person, but every single day I remember she did, she went to like AA, she was an alcoholic and she went to like AA and she went to like several different, like 12 step groups a couple times a week. Every day she had like this meditation routine and like spent hours on this stuff every single, and, you know, she was never able to overcome her, you know, demons, which I think is understandable given what happened to her, but she made a lot of progress. And that really stuck with me, you know, throughout my whole life. And I would recommend everybody do some version of that. You know, maybe you don't need to spend hours on it every day because you might not be as troubled as my mom was, but whatever version that, you know, maybe you need to spend 15 minutes on it a day. Maybe it's an hour a day, whatever, but you know, you're not going to be, you're not going to be happy with any kind of achievement from your art unless you resolve that stuff. So it is mm-hmm. pointless. It does not matter. You could ha- sell a million and one albums. You could have a billion fans all over the world. If you don't resolve that stuff, you will not be happy, period. End of question. No matter what, every celebrity, every like high achieving person in business is proof of this. And find one single person who has achieved success in life who, th- who will tell you that money or fame makes them happy. You can't find them. I, I, all I do is listen to like business podcasts and interviews and stuff. Zero people with money will tell you that money makes you happy. Zero. The only people who thinks that think that money makes you happy are people who don't have money. And I understand why, because I used to think that too. It's not true. Fame doesn't make, I'm not famous, but I mean, I get millions of people a month watching my videos, which is a lot. And I appreciate it and I'm grateful for it, but like the attention of strangers doesn't make me happy. You know, what makes me happy is like spending time with my wife and knowing that, you know, we have a good marriage and starting a family with her. Like, that's what makes me happy. 
So I know this seems like it's not relevant to music. And especially if you're in your twenties or something, this might just sound like something your parents would tell you, but it's important stuff like this. I think about it this way, like success in anything is like a combination of two things. I borrowed this from my friend Aram. If he happens to hear this mindset and skill set. And if you do not have the right mindset, you will never attain the right skill set. And if you have, if by some, by some miracle, you do sort of luck your, I shouldn't say luck, but find your end up becoming successful. If you don't have the right mindset, it's not going to mean anything to you. So I think of it as like a foundation. The mindset is the foundation. The skill set comes afterward. If you have the right mindset, you will find the right skill set. So you got to work on the mindset stuff. It's been, again, especially no, no creative person is going to argue with the idea that creative people tend to be like dysfunctional and have stuff they need to work on. So you got to work on that stuff just as much as you work on your music. And by the way, these two things will go hand in hand, you know, and like this will inform your art. It will make your art better. You know, the idea that, you know, all great art comes from suffering, I think is, you know, there is some truth to that. But do you want to suffer your whole life? You know, I don't think you do. I think a lot of people are sort of afraid to work on these things because they're afraid that if they, you know, like how many, and it's, it's kind of true to some extent, like how many people get sober and then put out their sober album and it sucks, you know, it's, (laughs) it's tough. Unfortunately, it's true, but you know, would you rather, would you rather be, you know, rich and miserable or maybe have a little bit less money and be happy? You know, the goal is to be happy. It's not to attain fame or money. So how do you balance those things? I don't know that I have the answer to that, but I think it's important to always remember the goal. You know, the goal is not to log into Spotify and see some fucking number on your phone. You know, that like, that's a cool dopamine hit for two seconds, but it's not going to give you a happy life. Mm. Yeah, that's that's some really good stuff. Because yeah, again, it's something it's on the surface it's easier to talk about the things that are apparent, like, like the numbers and yeah, because of that drive, because of that feeling of not enoughness, like we, we kind of live in a society that almost encourages that, that feeling of not enoughness because sure. that's, you know, that's essentially like a sales mechanism is like, you know, to increase the not enoughness so that yep. you, you're more motivation or like drive to like, to just resolve Buy it. Buy stuff buy more stuff, yeah. <laughs> but you're not enough, like be more you <laughs> by buying our, our shoe product. And so it is kind of an interesting one too, like just in terms of, obviously there, there is, there is something about when you're really plugged into the flow and, and you are, like you mentioned, like challenging yourself, you're stretching yourself or you're growing. And I would, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about kind of finding that sweet spot where you, you know, because I, I also don't think that like you know, having goals or, or going after them is necessarily you know, means that you're not enjoying your life. Right. But right. There's, there's sort of like that, that sweet spot. So right. how, how do we kind of fall into that, that rhythm? Well, for me, my motivation in anything I do is providing a happy life for my wife and our family. That's my goal. So, you know, and that really, really helps me in those moments where, you know, I get discouraged because I, you know, put out a video that either people don't like or nobody cares about, which I would say putting out something that people don't care about is almost worse than putting out something that people don't like, you know, like screaming into the void. To me, that's the most awful feeling as a creator. You know, you put something out and four people, you know, you get four likes on it and you're like, well, that sucked. <laughs> I didn't feel good. And that's, you know, to your question earlier, that's how it was for the first year of my channel. You know, I was getting 50 views on a video or something like that. Um, and so for me, the motivation is like, why am I doing all of this? It's to provide for us and to set us up for the future and, you know, to keep just to keep on doing what we're doing. We have a nice life now. Both of us grew up on welfare. You know, my wife's family is like they're refugees from Vietnam. I grew up, you know, single mom, single alcoholic mom on welfare, you know, similar kind of way. And, you know, that's the motivation to me is like keep providing, which is a more fulfilling driver to me than validation, you know, like, yeah, if people like my videos, that's cool. And I appreciate that. But what really matters to me at the end of the day is providing a decent life for my wife and our family. That's good stuff. Yeah. That, that idea of making your goal 
really about being able to provide. It, it seems like, I mean, and maybe this is obviously it's gonna be different for different um, people. Right. And I think for men a lot. I, I know for me when I when I got married and I found out that I was gonna be a dad, there was this like deep sense of needing or, or, yep. or feeling like I, I needed to figure out how to provide for them. And I, I assume that that's something that it's not just a male thing. It's also a fem- like as like mothers or or just as like a, maybe it's just a human thing is a sense of wanting to contribute or the sense of like providing value. And it seems like that's one common theme. And, you know, my, my mentors and some of the most successful people that I know is that their focus is like what you're describing as like providing value in some sort, providing. And even like if you think about the nature of life itself and the nature of, you know, of, of nature, like mm-hmm. like trees, like they they grow and they provide fruits. They bear fruits and they right. blossom and they and they grow and they provide. So I think that there's something really there as like humans. If we really kind of lean into that, how can I provide um, the most value? And that seems like that's a great way to to really kind of plug into the flow. Yeah, it's not fashionable these days to talk about stuff like that. And uh, you know, I don't believe that like gender gender roles are cast into stone or anything like that. But I have to think that biology plays a role. I mean, there's a reason that like, you know, I I, I can't speak to how women do or don't feel, but there's a reason why for you know hundreds of thousands of years, you know, men have been in the provider role and have talked about that. That doesn't mean they have to be or they always should be or any you know none of this is cast in stone, but. I do think that there is some biology there, you know, the, like, I don't know, 50,000 years ago, the men went out and killed the woolly mammoth and brought it back to the cave where the, you know, the, the, the women cooked it and fed the family. And both of those are valuable roles, equally valuable, you know, and if, if some other uh, cave family wants to do it the other way, good for them, but typically that's the way it works. And I think the more, you know, there's a whole other topic, but I think a lot of people in creative fields really fight that stuff. They fight kind of biology and they fight the conventional wisdom. And my opinion is that the less you fight that and the more, or, or should I say, how about this? How about this? If you spent your whole life fighting it, if you're happy, cool, keep doing what you're doing. But if you're not happy with where you're at, then I would say, and I was very unhappy with where my life was for quite a while. And what I have found is that in those moments, it's time to question everything, you know, like ironically, the times when I was, you know, super unhappy, I thought I knew it all, but I said, I am miserable. My life is not good. Clearly I don't know it all. So I'm just going to like question all the assumptions. I'm just going to try anything. Mm -hmm. And, and I asked everybody, I mean, I have gotten like some of the best advice I ever got was from like the doorman at the building I used to work at who like used to be homeless and crack addict and all this stuff. And I, I was having trouble getting along with people at work. And I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like this guy might, he was a, he was a very wise guy. He'd clearly learned from these experiences. And I said, I don't know why, but I think Zach is his name. I don't know. Maybe he'll have something to tell me about this. So I just, I said, Hey, here's what's going on. Do you have any advice? And he, he was like, yeah, you just got to fake it till you make it pretend that you get along with these people, you know, put on a face of, you know, being the person that, that they want to be around. And then eventually it'll become true. And he was right. And it changed my life. Um, so I, and I've, you know, anytime I've been in these situations, I always ask, you know, I look to people who have achieved what I want to achieve, which is to be happy. And I ask their advice and it doesn't, their advice may not work for me. Maybe it will, whatever, but just try it. So all these things that, you know, artists can be very stubborn people. You know, that they they think they know everything about everything, which is ironic because they're like 23 year olds, you know, playing to 17 people, you know, at an open mic. It's like, really, you know it all? You sure about that? And and hey, maybe you do know it all. Maybe you're going to be the next, you know, Kid Leroy or whatever in two years and and you'll have the last laugh on all of us. But, you know, question, I think there's so much just like dogmatic, dysfunctional thinking in the creative world you know, that it's like the creative world is almost like anti-family. It's like anti-success. You know, if you say anything sincere or kind or positive, they call it corny. You know, there's just so much of this like dysfunctional negative thinking. And you got to, you got to throw all that stuff out because it's all bullshit. Every, all of it is bullshit from negative, unhappy people who put out their negative, unhappy energy into the world because they want everyone else to be as miserable as they are because misery loves company. That's just a fact. So 
if you're happy with where you're at, by all means, keep doing what you're doing. But if you're not happy, start just testing some of these assumptions. And in particular, start questioning a lot of this like negative dogma that you hear in the creative world. I, I don't know if that's answering your question, but like that's the core of all this is like, it's all about the story you tell yourself because I don't know who said this, but whether you say you can do it or you can't, it's true. I think it's been attributed to Henry Ford, but maybe it wasn't actually him that said it. Who knows? But it's a great, it's true. great quote. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so true. Yeah, there, there's something so powerful in what you're describing right now, just from like a mindset point of view of asking questions versus, you know, making a statement. Like a statement is such a, it's a very like closed off thing. And, and ultimately, it, it seems like every statement, there's a point where it's not true. It's like, like anything, sure. like the, what you're, what you're describing of having the shift in mindset where rather than a feeling like you need to know everything, you need to have the answer for everything and you need to be right and, and have all, and be perfect, actually just like flipping it around and saying like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know anything for sure. And I'm willing right. to test out and just see yep. what happens. And I'm willing to learn and kind of, and that just seems like a much more open way to approach the world too. Because if, if it, you do it the other way, it's like, you have to have this, you have to really guard the way that you're showing up and like in this yep. appearance, you have to like really kind of have this kind of false front that you're putting on that you're always right. And if, Ego, if something appears. Yeah, exactly. It's all bullshit. Yeah. And look, yeah. I've been doing the YouTube thing for a while. I think I have maybe 50 million views or something now. I am wrong all the time. Mm -hmm. And if there's any asset that I have, it's that I know that and I will try, I listen to people and I try their ideas. So I have a mm -hmm. discord and I have a video suggestions channel in there. And sometimes people give me ideas that, you know, I'm like, like, I don't think this will work, but you know what? I'm going to try it. And I would mm -hmm. say more often than not, they're right. Mm -hmm. More often than not, that video that I thought wasn't going to work ends up doing pretty well. I'm like, well, just goes to show I don't know anything about what I do. Now, and that's, and that's even first from a standpoint of asking a question versus yeah, making making a statement. Like when you ask a question, like something like opens up, right? And it's and I feel like there's there's a lot more truth. There's a lot more truth in asking a question, at least asking like the right question. Mm -hmm than there is from like making, making a statement. And which... actually listening to the answer, right? Cause like, are you asking the question just because you want to have the appearance of being humble and thoughtful, or are you actually going to listen to what you hear? Mm. That's good. Yeah. Asking, asking the right question and then actually being like having a state of presence where you're actually paying attention to like right. what was the answer and learning, learning from it. Like how many times have, has someone asked your advice on something? And you take the time to give them your advice and they're like, okay, yeah, well, I'm just going to do it my way anyway. And you're like, well, all right, then why did you, like, why did you ask me? Just do what you want to do. I don't care. Uh, I call those people assholes. <laughs> you don't want to be one of those people. If you're going to ask your question with somebody, it doesn't mean you have to do what they say, but at least sincerely listen and consider what they're telling you. Yeah, and, and to your point too, it sounds like your approach has really been to test things out and to try them out, even if on the surface you're like, I don't fully understand this, or I don't think it's mm -hmm. gonna work. Like, you know, you have the willingness to listen and then to actually just try it out and see what happens. And that trial and error seems like that that's really where the magic happens, where the learning happens. Yeah, and I don't know if your experiences matches that your experience matches this, but from talking to other creators and to, you know, all the musicians I know, I would say there's almost zero correlation between the things that you think are going to be successful and the ones that actually are successful. But so many like videos or songs or whatever, the thing you put out, the one you're like, oh man, I love this one. I slaved away on it. This is, this is my best stuff ever. People are going to love this. You put it out and it's like, yeah. And then the thing that you just like, crap out in 15 minutes that <laughs> you're pretty sure is garbage, but you're like, whatever, I got to put something out. People love it. That's the one that blows up. This happens mm. so many times. So mm. the point is, you know, I think it's very, very, very hard to have objectivity about what we do as creators. There's no way that you can see your work the way the world sees it. Like you should always try, 
but it's impossible, right? Because like, it's like the fish doesn't know that it's in the fishbowl. It can't see outside the fishbowl, right? It's impossible. So I, I, I just, I, I know that. And I understand, you know, I, I mean, I, I think I know a little something, but even that I'm not so sure because I'm wrong so many times that I don't even know. So yeah, just got to be humble and test things, you know, test it in a smart way. Don't bet your house on a random idea, but like make small bets, you know, asymmetric risk profiles. If anybody, you know, is familiar with like the world of finance, every time you put something out, every, every at bat, you have a chance to hit a home run. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, you know, but just the more times you step up to the bat, the more likely you're going to win. You know what that means for like musicians specifically, there's so many people with a hard drive sitting full of like dozens and dozens of unfinished songs. Mm. As long as that song is just sitting on your hard drive, not out there in the world, you have no benefit from, I mean, you learn something from writing it. That's which, you know, there is benefit to that. But, you know, if your goal is to grow your audience, you got to release it. You got to ship stuff. So be prolific, you know, especially now in a TikTok kind of world where people's attention spans are like literally three seconds. And I'm like, not even exaggerating. They're literally three seconds. Like you got to be prolific. You got to be putting out content, be putting out music a lot. So you know, if anybody is listening to this right now, tugging at their collar, like, oh, I'm the guy with the hard drive full of unfinished songs. You got to put that stuff out. The one that you think you're, you're sure, oh, this stuff is terrible. It's not finished. Nobody's going to like it. I don't know. You might be surprised. Mm. That's such good advice because I, I, I feel like as creatives, a lot of times it, we lean on the other end of the spectrum where because of the fear of kind of like putting it out and it, and being worried about how it comes across. And especially, you know, if we're starting out and, and it's that first year, like you're talking about, where it's like you don't have a giant audience and it's kind of like, when I put this out, what if, you know, people don't like it or nothing really happens? It's an empty void. And it sounds like what you're, what you're saying is that, you know, that's kind of a part of it. And you don't, you never know, like that, like you, you really do not know which of your songs is really going to yep. land and connect with people until you just put it out. So don't hold it all in. Just yep. like you know, be prolific, keep putting it out, and and then it's inevitable that you know that it's going to start gaining traction and that you can get to a point where, again, maybe you're not LeBron James or like you know the number one in the entire world. Maybe you are, you know, if you're number one in the but entire shit, world. I, I would be happy to. I'd be happy to like play. I'd I'd be thrilled to be like, I always say, if I played football, my goal would be to like be the third backup kicker because I'm still making league minimum, which is whatever, half a million dollars a year and playing maybe twice a year. And nobody knows who you are when you go to the mall. Like that would be the dream. You know, that would, and, that would be, that'd be kind of nice. Yeah. You get the, some of the benefits of it without having the, the cons of that come with you know, fame sometimes. Yeah. And getting your body destroyed by playing football every week. Right. You know, an important thing to remember also is that the self doubt and stuff is probably never going to go away. That's part of being a creator. I still think every video I put out is garbage. Every single one. I'm like, this is terrible. This is crap. Like I hate this video. It sucks. Every single one. And I put out you know, three or four videos a week. And I think they're all garbage. And, you know, from talking to, you know, people I know, I remember like, you know, the band. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So my friend managed them for whatever, 20 years. And he said wow. that, you know, even at their peak, there were times when he'd have to convince Brandon to go out on stage, you know, Brandon would be backstage like, Oh, no, I, I can't do it. I'm too scared. You know, I can't do it. Like, look at all those people out there. Like, I can't do this. And be like, Brandon, they're here to see you. You got to do this. You know, so multi-platinum selling band with tens of thousands of people out there in the crowd screaming their name to see him. And even then, you know, he's he's got stage fright like it's his first open mic. So, you know, these things are part of being a creator, not for everyone, but for a lot of people. So you just got to learn how to, like, you know, feel the fear and just push through it and do it anyway. Yeah, that's that's so good. And it, it does seem like that's something that that even the most successful people can like speak to and be like, yeah, like it's, it, it does seem like it gets easier over time to sort of to face the fear and do it anyways, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the fear is going away. It just gets right. easier. Cause it's like, it's, you've done it a bunch. You're like, oh yeah, this is normal. Like I always feel like this before I do it. And then I always come off afterwards and I feel great. We used to, we called that uh post-show buzz. 
was after after the yes. show you come off and you just have that that feeling where it's like the, all because right beforehand you always have the anxiety and the tension or the, the nerves or the excitement or whatever you want to call it and it like you're saying it doesn't go away but afterwards you come off stage you're like what, you, the got world. The, you got the buzz yeah yeah uh, good stuff yeah, one thing i I wanted to uh, dive a little deeper with you. I, I love conversations like this because I, I think it is certainly like a little bit more like philosophical and we're talking about some of these ideas, but like this is really the root of what's important because yes. everything else, again, like you, know, you achieve you'll figure all the You'll figure out the rest. Mm, absolutely. If you get this stuff right, you'll figure out the rest of the stuff. Mm, absolutely. And so you know, along along those those lines, when we were talking about you know, questions, questions and answers and how, how important it is to you know, have the right mindset of, of being a learner or being someone who's willing to ask questions, willing to experiment and see, like, just be curious, be curious to see like, you know, what, it, rather than assuming, assuming something is you know, the way that you, that you think it is like, just like having the ability to be curious about it and be like, well, maybe like, you know, what if, mm-hmm. so what are some of like if it's so important to like ask uh, questions and ask good questions, like what do you think are some of the most important questions that we should be asking ourselves maybe on a daily basis or yearly or kind of regularly when we're doing that kind of inner work and that reflection to be able to kind of go deep into this this stuff? Well, I would ask, you know, the, to me fundamentally the question is what really truly makes me happy? And I would always ask like more than anything else, what are the things that I currently believe? What are the thing, What are the stories I'm telling myself and which one of those might be false? Mm. Because we all like, we're all our worst enemy and bigger, biggest obstacle, right? Like think about this. Here's another question to ask yourself. What is actually standing between you and the thing you want? Like for real, what are the actual tangible obstacles? You know, and for most things, the answer is, well, nothing other than a bunch of work Mm. and fear for Mm. most things. Now, if you want to start SpaceX, all right, you might think, oh, well, I need a bunch of money to do this. All right. Well, what's what, how are you, if you need, let's say $50,000 to start this business you want. Okay. Well, that might seem like an insurmountably large amount of money to you, but there's lots of people out there who will write $50,000 checks. How do you find those people and how are you going to pitch them? You know, well, the answer is you just go research them and then you just, you know, hit them up, email, LinkedIn, phone calls, whatever, harass them until eventually someone says yes. And, you know, so again, it's just in, in, in the answer, the two biggest things there are hard work and fear, fear of them saying no, which, you know, if you've ever done sales, well over 90% of people tell you to fuck off or ignore you, you know, you're going to hear no a lot. But eventually someone's going to say yes. So, but there's some fear of rejection there. And it's a lot of work to do all that. But that's it most of the time. So just ask yourself, like, what is really standing between me and the thing that I want? And then also ask, if I have that thing, is it actually going to make me happy? Like, what is the life that I want that will really truly make me happy? And how do I get there? Those are the questions to me. And then underneath that, there's a lot of a million smaller questions, but you know. The questions about like how to achieve a thing, it, it to a lot of people, it seems like those are the, the big questions. You think that there's some secret knowledge in some book or podcast or whatever that's going to like, oh, once I know this thing, the doors to success are going to open and I'm going to be there. I mean, there's a few little things like that, that you know, a few little aha moments you're going to have. But primarily, it's just like, you know, the willingness to persist and deal with rejection is most of it. So I would encourage people to focus on those questions about like managing your own psychology. What are the things I believe? What are the stories that I'm telling myself and which of those might be false? That's so good. Yeah. And I I think even just the fact that you have the awareness to be able to ask, you know, what are the stories that I'm telling myself that might be false? is like the one of the first main steps of like awareness and even yeah. because usually those stories we just believe and we don't even think twice about them they're yep. just like they seem we assume that they're real but then if when you ask a question like that it's like oh I'll, wait maybe i'll give you an example of one that i tell myself all the time i believe the story that i tell myself all the time is that my channel can't be bigger than a certain size because you know, there aren't that many people that care about the stuff that I talk about. And if I try to talk about something else, then my audience won't like it. And so therefore, you know, I'm sort of painted into a corner of I can only, my channel can only be this big. Mm. 
well, I mean, even just me telling you that right now, and even you not knowing that much about my channel, you know that I just told you three things that aren't true, mm. you know, or they don't have to be true. Mm. Right. But like, there's, it, I'm always telling myself that. And then there's the angel and the devil on my shoulder. The devil's mm. telling me this stuff. And the angel is like, eh, I don't know about that. I think you might be lying to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and just having the awareness to know that, like, the, the way that you just presented that, like, you are, you have the awareness to see those thoughts and not necessarily believe in them completely. <laughs> like, you, because you know, we all have, like, stories that we're telling ourselves about who we are and how the world works. But the, it seems like the foundation of this mindset you're talking about, this, this question asking and curiosity is really looking at the thoughts as they're happening, which like, they're, they're always like, they're going to keep happening, but yep. having the awareness to see like, okay, this, this is what my thoughts are, are saying, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. It's just what, you know, this devil on my shoulder is, is telling me. Yep. I mean, what if Dave Grohl told himself like, oh, I can't sing, like nobody will ever want, like I could never be the the front man of a band. I should just play drums and just be content to be in the background the whole time. Mm. I, I have no idea if he told himself that or not, but what if he did? My son Xander probably wouldn't uh, listen to the pretender, you know, three times a day and exactly. run around and like jump off the couches. And, exactly. And love it. Yeah. Or, stuff, so, or people tell themselves, you know, my music is too weird. You know, nobody will ever like this because it's too strange. Well, again, I know lots of people. I mean, I just did a video today about this band called Polyphia that plays like instrumental progressive metal kind of stuff. It's super weird. You know, their video, their latest music video has over a million views in a day. You know, wow. playing super like it's I, I would have never believed that it was possible to get that much attention playing that kind of music. But look, they did it. So mm. That's awesome. Well, hey, man, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, these are my favorite kind of conversations to have, and it's really refreshing, you know, to talk talk about this because I think that it's probably 90, 95% of, of what people tend to gravitate as we're talking about isn't necessarily focused on what really matters, which is really about, like, the stuff that we're talking yep. about right, right now. So appreciate you. Thank you for doing what you do and for being here right now to be able to, to share this with, with our audience. And uh, for anyone who's here right now who would love to learn more, dive deeper, and kind of check out your channel, where's the best place for them to go to learn more? Just go on YouTube and search for my name, Finn McKenty, F-I-N-N-M-C-K-E-N-T-Y. I have two channels. One is called The Punk Rock MBA. The other one is just my name, Finn McKenty. You can check out either one of them. Yeah, that'd probably be the best place to start. Awesome. Yep. And like always, we'll, we'll put all the links um, below in the description for easy access. And yeah, man, appreciate your time. This has been a lot of fun. All right, thanks for having me. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.